Welcome listeners to episode 13 of the Running Guy podcast, where I aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes from around the world, like in today's episode where I'm chatting to a guy who's certainly been gaining much deserved recognition with his performances over the last couple of years as a runner. Welcome to the Running Guy podcast, Reese Edwards. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Uh, it's good, good to be talking to you. Um, now, you just come back from Noosa up there for the Triathlon Festival and the 5K Bolt. How'd that go up there? Um, I actually was, va- I decided to go on vacation. Um, I had entered it before I did Melbourne Marathon, but um, I was mainly going, and my missus, she ran the Bolt, I think she was eighth overall or something like that, or maybe ninth, um, and my brother did the triathlon, so I ended up being bag boy and enjoyed a vacation for once. Okay, okay, okay. So, so your girlfriend, what's her name? Um, Michelle Pearson, yeah. So okay. she she ran oh, 17, 22 or something like that. I think okay. she exploded a little bit, but yeah, she did well. Okay, and she ran that before? No, that was her first time. So um, she's kind of really improved just in the last nine to 12 months. So this was the first time she was, you know, had a time that she was able to run it. So she enjoyed it. Yeah, sure. So what's the qualifying time for the women to run that? Oh, geez, you're pushing me here. Maybe 20 minutes, maybe oh, under 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. She, she was. She was running a park run in about 23 minutes only 18 months ago, and now she's, I think she, she ran a 16.58 um, not that long ago, so she's wow. improved a lot. Wow. You helping out there, I bet? Um, oh, every now and then. She's okay. an early bird, mate, so she's yeah. up at 4.30 doing her sessions, and I'm still in bed, but oh, yeah. every now and then. But are you, are you writing up the sessions for her, or is she getting help from somebody else? Um, no, so she's now getting help from um, Run Crew, so um, Gary Howard there. So I, she was kind of every, you know, Monday night she would ask me, what session should I do in the morning? And I was, I was just wasn't much help, to be honest with her. So, yeah, she's actually just in the last two weeks, she's now coached by Run Crew. Okay, fantastic. And have you run the bolt before? No, I've never, I've never done it. And, um, yeah, I mean, watching it, it was really good to watch. So, yep. yeah, I m- might have a crack in the future. Yeah, and it's only in the afternoon, so it's, it can be pretty warm up there, Noosa, that time of year. Was it pretty hot or? Yeah, it was It was really hot. Like, I was yeah. sitting on the sidelines. I was like, like, I was just standing. I was like, man, I'm happy I'm not running this. I know it's only 5K, but, yeah, like, sure. it, was, it, it was warm. And, you know, you're on the sun. It was about 10 past 3 or something, maybe, or 4 o'clock they started. Yeah, but, yeah, it was yeah. warm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible atmosphere. It'd have to be one of the best yeah. games around the country, I'd say. Yeah, you, you look at that and you go, like, it'd be nice for them to make that, say, like an Australian road 5K champs or something like that and put some more prize money on for the real top elite guys cause, yeah. oh, and women because yeah. it has, has a really, really good atmosphere. It has, yeah, everything to be a real big event. It is. And with all the triathletes there, I mean, it's the crowd that makes it. Obviously, they do a really good job um, with the announcers and that and, and the setup, and it's a circuit loop, so everyone gets to see the uh, the runners all the time. But just having that crowd there is just awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, those those four laps, that makes it all, yeah. all, all of it so good. Yeah, it goes to show what we can do with the sport and what we need to do, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, now, I found out you used to play state hockey for New South Wales. Um, so if you tell us about that, and then we're going to move on to, you had a bit of a uh, bit of a chapter there in triathlons as well, but start with the hockey. How did that, like, were you pretty um, young when you started that, or...? Yeah, so I was probably, I was up in a little town called Mwilumbar on like the Tweed border and it just happened to be a hockey town and um, I'm the youngest of four boys and um, one of my brothers started playing hockey and mum and dad, and hockey's always in the same location every week, whereas soccer was, you know, you have to drive to towns and 
mum and dad thinking, oh, we're four boys who don't want to be driving here, there and everywhere. They made, made us all play hockey. So um, got into it young. And then um, I only represented New South Wales really in the school stuff, in primary school. Okay. I was kind of always like, I was always borderline state, I guess you'd say. Like I've done like some of the camps and things like that for N, like, for N Swiss and things like that. So I grew up doing all hockey um, and, you know, played city country and all those sort of things and state champs and, and that. But, um, yeah, at 18 years of age, I pretty well, you have two choices. You move to Sydney or Perth or you go get a job. And um, I chose to kind of give up on hockey. Okay, okay. What, any of your brothers continue it on or? Yeah, oh, so, yeah, most of them still, oh, two of them will still play. Yeah. Uh, one of them, so one, number three, so the brother just older than me, he played New South Wales hockey all the way through up to under 21s and he moved to Newcastle and then was playing first grade Sydney and he pursued it to a certain point and he, he could have, he had an opportunity to kind of go overseas and um, he could have really done maybe potentially done it but he once again he ended up becoming a sonographer and went almost the career path instead of the, the sport path but you know i've got some really good mates that are in the um kookaburra side at the moment so it's still good to see them um kind of get the the results for everything they sacrifice yeah 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 for sure so 18 you, you sort of uh stopped that chapter and then is that when the triathlons begun or yeah well actually it's, it's, it's funny yeah so i stopped at 18 and i um I was watching the Tour de France one, and I'm like, oh, this cycling thing looks pretty cool. So I got on my bike, and I actually got into cycling. I was probably into cycling for about, geez, nearly 18 months, two years, and I probably spent more time crashing than actually riding my bike. Um, I've come down. There's a mountain up here called Dorio Mountain. I come off at 75 k's an hour, and there's a criterium race at Armadale, and I've raced it three times and crashed twice. So, you know, there's... I was had a short-lived cycling kind of career there from 18 to kind of 20. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I guess after that, that was when I made the decision where oh, I'll, I still like riding my bike. I just uh, I'm not very good at handling a bike, so that's when I decided you know maybe I'll have a go at triathlons because triathletes were renowned for not being able to handle a bike and just riding straight lines. So yeah, that's kind of what led me to triathlons probably. Yeah, I'd say I got in on twenty twenty one probably. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What what years are we talking there? Um, I would have been. I so, oh, so the, that year that would have been what uh, about two thousand ten, okay. two thousand eleven. I would have got into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how'd you go in the water? I mean, a lot of runners can't run, but <laughs> you weren't necessarily a runner at this stage, but. I mean, yeah. You, you, no, you're not... pretty tall. You're pretty <laughs> lean. You got the long levers. I can imagine you move reasonably well. Um, I swim good for an age grouper, okay. bad for an elite. Sure. So I, I was in that awkward stage where if I raced in my age group, I would come out of the water first. If I raced in the elites, I would miss the main pack. Sure. Um, but yeah. I was, I'd say average swimmer. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. So, um, from the triathlons, what, what made you start to think about the running? Um, so it would have been 2014 I moved from Coffs where I was doing my first degree and things like that. And I moved down to Canberra to study physiotherapy. And I, I, when I first moved down there, I joined um, PTC, so like a local triathlon group down there. And that was my plan just to keep doing triathlons. Um, and I picked up what they call your pro license. But let's be honest, it's, it's not really necessary. Um, 
but I picked that up when I first moved down there. And I actually did triathlons from two to about 2000 and, geez, it must be nearly 15, 16. I did it for about 18 months when I moved to Canberra. And what ended up happening was uh, was the degree got too much where I just couldn't train for three disciplines and do the degree. I'm not the you know sharpest tool in the shed, so I needed more time to study, less time to train. So um, one of the fellas happened in my degree happened to be training with dick telford and he said i'll oh, come along to one of our runs run squads and i turned up got absolutely walloped and but i just kept turning up and that's where i got to now yeah yeah sure i mean training under the guidance of dick telford must have been amazing um pretty educational experience along with the um the other elite runners who train in team telford it's called isn't it um yeah yeah they yeah, they call it Team Telford. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, if you could share with with the listeners on a few of the, um, I guess, the training principles and philosophies that you would have learnt training under Dick and with those athletes that you've pretty much um, have impacted you and you'll probably carry on for the rest of your career. Yeah, yeah. yeah so just... I guess the the biggest thing I picked up from Dick was pretty well get 10k fit and you can run anything. Yeah. Um, and and he worked on pretty much two two systems really where it was kind of he would either say you're, you're on the knife's edge, a.k.a. you're running right on threshold, so that 5, 5-10K five, type pace, or mm. he'd say you, I want you puffing steadily, and that's kind of your half marathon pace. So he pretty much taught us those two. He pretty much taught me how to pace myself and what I could get out. So he's really playing with that red line and knowing, oh, if you cross that red line, you know, bad things happen. So he really increased that aerobic capacity big time and, just everything that Dick does is just smashes you on get your 10k fit, get your 10k fit, and that's from the 800, 1500 meter boys to the marathon boys. Um, everyone, I would say, nine months of the year, it's all about 10k fit. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, just work at that threshold, but don't don't cross the line. And you would have been doing some reasonable volume as well. I mean, Dick likes his volume as well as that quality. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was fortunate enough. I've never had any serious injuries, and I, you know, I was probably about eighteen months into just running, and I was probably already running two hundred k's a week. I would whoa, say. whoa, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So no, not bad mileage, and and I wouldn't even say I was the biggest miler, uh, biggest me- like mileage man in the group either. Mm, mm. Yeah, okay, righty. Yeah. So you're either running a threshold or you're and you're running volume. Um, Okay. Um, and absolutely. In, yeah, in I, I see some ten k's there. You've 2017, 18, and nineteen. You've ran ten k in thirty minutes something, as in sub thirty one. So I imagine you'd love to crack a sub thirty in the not too distant future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, you've hit you've hit my spot. So this is the one that kills me. Yeah. So the ten k kills me. So I. Uh, I think my PB, I think on my IAAF profile, maybe it's 30.02, but it's about 30.01, 30.02. That's my PB, and those couple of seconds or second and a half absolutely kill mm. me. And it's, it's the one thing that I love to wipe off my uh, my result sheet and finally go sub, because um, I think I've run th- sub 31, so in the 30 minutes. I would, I would say I'd be close to, what, 10 times maybe, but I've never gone sub 30. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'm just having a look at... Uh... Where that 10,000 is. Yeah, 30.02, that's right. Um, We'll touch on that because I'm going to touch on your PBs. Um, Now, have you run Zatapec? I mean, if you're a solid 10K, have you been down there for the Nationals? No, I never run Zatapec. So 
I, I don't really say I, I'm not in that level. I really don't think I'm in the level of that. Those sort of guys. Mm. Um, you've you've got your guys that are probably in low to sub twenty nine shape that end up by the look of it they run twenty nine mid because they go out harder. Mm. And then you have your boys that you know are going twenty seven and and I it just would not be a race that is in my kind of level. I really think that's a whole nother step up, sure. to be perfectly honest. Yep, yep, no, for sure. So what I'll do is I'll read uh, out your PBs on the truck and road um, for all us running geeks who love our numbers. Um, so it is from your IWF profile page. Um, sometimes they're not correct, so jump in uh, if, uh, if they're not. And I might get you to tell us about if you have any stories or memories of each of these uh, races that you, that you did. Sometimes there's some good stories behind them. So I'll start with the first 3,000 metre. Um, this is in Sydney, October 2017. You ran 8.38.29. Any memories of that event? Uh, I just remember driving up to Bankstown on a Thursday night and having a horrible run and then getting a feed at Macca's afterwards to, okay. to drown my sorrows. Nothing special about that one. Rightio. So it's a PB you'd like to get rid of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure, rightio. <laughs> So we've got the 5,000 metres down in Melbourne, March 2017. That's 14.36.08. Yeah, I was, I was stoked with that one at the time. Uh, I probably, I think it was only a month earlier I'd never actually run under 15 minutes. Um, but I raced the New South Wales B race at the State 5 and I went 14.48. And then that was would have been a month later. And um, I really thought, you know, if I could go around that 14 40 mark i'd be happy again so i was really stoked with that result that night actually um but i haven't raced a 5000 oh i think i've raced one 5000 since then but yeah I, I was actually really happy with that race but um yeah okay um 10k we got in sydney in may 2018 30 so that's that that's that pb you were talking about um yeah yeah so <laughs> that one that one stings yeah is that uh, May? That's is that part of the? It's not the Sydney Herald Half Marathon Weekend. Or is that a separate ten k? Is that the Sydney ten that May? Yeah, yeah. So it's the one that run by New South Wales Athletics. So the Sydney ten out at um, Olympic Park. Oh, gotcha. There. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah so it, it, it's a quick course. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have no excuses not going sub there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that stings. I I was in a group. I think of. I can't remember, maybe six of six of us, and we're in the group with 2K to go, and I think four or five, and they all went, like, ended up maybe 29, 40, 29. They went well and truly under, and I was just a bit soft, and let, I just let them go too early. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I know that course. I mean, I assume I know that course. It's, I did the half up there not long ago, and that was five laps of, like, a – was it four laps of a 5K loop, but – yeah. Oh, geez, they do the same course for a yeah. half. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's fast. Then, yeah. Yeah, there's a little hairpin corner, and you've got to head up the hill again. Yeah, yeah 100%. Got... Yeah, it was ha- halfway up that hill. I got I cracked off the front okay. boys, and that cost me. Yeah, okay, couldn't pull them back. Yeah, because then they go down and chuck a left, and they're away. Okay, yeah. um, half marathon up on the Goldie uh, last year, 2018, 65.37. Yeah, so I'm at, I've run faster. Um, so I actually ran over in Philadelphia uh, last September. So this was a month before my marathon PB. I ran um, Philadelphia half marathon. I went 65 12. Okay. Um, but yeah, so just a little bit quicker. Right, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so 
Um, and then the marathon, we'll probably touch on this a little bit further. Well, we may... Now, before we move on to the marathon, I see here you ran 66 even in Sydney um, a couple of months just before that PB up on the Goldie. Um, yeah. And there was only 40 seconds separating the top five. Um, I actually watched a video the other day and uh, it looked like you were trying to pull in uh, Andy Buchanan at the, at, the, at the end there. But when I was watching the race, um, you guys were all pretty, you had a good little group going out front. So um, did anyone sort of um, put the pressure on or was it just natural attrition that it sort of broke up towards the end or was there any tactics going on there? Um, so Hugh, Hugh Williams paced the whole thing to about 15. Well, he didn't pace it. He, he was racing, but he raced on the front, and everyone just sat behind him, even though he's a very small frame, so it wasn't helpful. But he pretty well set the pace for the race until the 15-kilometre mark. And then Joel Tobin White, he just – you could tell he was comfortable as, and he just left at the 15K mark up a hill. He literally just gapped us straight away, and Liam Adams tried to follow him. And I'm not sure if Liam – I think Liam may have got across to him, but then ended up getting dropped by him. Um and then I was pretty much in a fight with Hugh, Andy Buchanan. Um, we were kind of going back and forth, really, until near the end. And I overtook Andy with about oh, 18 kilometre mark. And I'd, I thought I'd gapped him. And then he came back around me with a, probably oh, 800 metres ago. He came up to my side and I was trying to hang, trying to hang. And then he just outkicked me. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a real fun race, actually, that one. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought, those little boys look like they're having fun out there <laughs> in a funny yeah. type of way. Um, it's yeah, good when you absolutely. get races, races like that. You know, you go there to race and you want to be in a group and you all want to be hurting. Um, it's a lot more fun that way rather than everyone sort of be out single file and have those big gaps where it becomes more like a time trial than an actual race. Yeah, I agree. I reckon sometimes seeing a course that like so many people don't go to that race because they think it's a slow course but sometimes slow courses like you have so much more fun and the racing so much more interesting and you can go back for more and you can still run quick times i think michael shelley's run 63 on that and you want know, pat carroll's on 61 so you can still run fast on it but i think it's literally the course that stops big numbers of people turning up to it yeah. I reckon they're more fun, those sort of courses. Yeah, it's not always about breaking PBs every time. It's about going there to get a good race, and that's clearly what you guys got. So, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's jump over to the marathon. Um, last year, pretty big result, Chicago, 216.43. Um, that's huge. Um, first Aussie home in 21st place. Um, yeah, becoming a 216 guy. So uh, let us know what your expectations were before the race. I mean, were you even thinking you're in that sort of form and um, sort of what happened during the race? Um, so, yeah, I guess when I decided to do the marathon, at that stage, my half marathon PB was 68. So originally my goal was to run as close to, as low low 220 as possible. Um, and then training had kind of been going perfectly. I did that half that we just talked about, Sydney Morning Herald, and then I ran Gold Coast in 65, 30-odd. Um, and then I'd finished my degree and I decided to take 10 weeks be- between my degree and starting work um, to just go pretty much have a ho- training holiday. And I went over to Colorado um, with a mate uh, who now owns a house over there, Dan Wallace. And I was over there for 10 weeks with him and a Kiwi, another Kiwi lives in London, Tony Payne, was there for the first uh, about month and then Hugh Williams came over for the last month but um, throughout that training camp I guess my goal of trying to run a low 220 
about two weeks into that training camp, I was like, oh, maybe I could run a sub-220. That'd be pretty damn cool. And then it was probably about, uh, you know, four weeks out from the marathon, I was like, oh, you know, I've had a real good day. I could maybe run 218. And I was saying the boys were kind of uh, who we were staying, living with over there, like, what's your goal? And I was like, you know, as long as I run sub-220, I'm a, I'm a happy man. Um, so I guess by the end of it, I, ha- I was really thinking, you know, I've had a good day. I could run 218, but I also had no fear and I had abs- I felt like I was fit. So I was just going to find a group that I thought was comfortable. I was just going to run as hard as I could and I probably went out slightly too fast. Can you remember what you went through the half in? Yeah, so I went through the half in 6728 mm-hmm. and um, I was with one other guy at that stage and... I, it was a weird feeling. I, I felt like it was really, really easy, but at, the, but at the same time, I was like, I feel like I may have I, – I, a lot of people told me prior to the marathon, or you, you'll feel good at halfway, but not just because you feel good there, you know, at 30, 35K, it will all change. And I was kind of running through there halfway, and I was like, this, this is too easy, right? Like 67, 28, I was like, you know – because if my goal was sub 220 i was like you know i can blow up real bad here and still be a happy man and enjoy some beers tonight so <laughs> yeah that was that was my halfway split and um, and you obviously must have responded pretty well to the attitude then i mean you're only there a few weeks and, and you're suddenly thinking you can run quicker i mean some people respond better than others you think that that helped a lot yeah so um I think I'm a massive responder to altitude actually after doing that camp because I raced Philadelphia half that I is now the PB that I was talking about earlier and I ran 190 kilometers that week and I raced that on the Sunday so within 190 kilometer um, week and I ran through 5k in 1442 which is almost my 5k PB mm. and then I ran through 10 ran through 10k in 3005 or 3006 which was almost a 10K PB, and then I ended up obviously fading, but um, I would not have thought I was in that sort of shape, and that, that pretty well came off four weeks of altitude. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. What, what sort of volume were you, were you doing? And you, you must have had a, a good group to train with. Yeah, so we're, we're doing massive volume. Uh, I would have hit, other than I did two other races pre-Chicago whilst I was in the States, other than those two weeks, I would have hit for about six weeks there, I would have been over 220. Okay. Um, yep. we, we had a nice group of anywhere from kind of four to six guys. It, it fluctuates. Some sessions you'll solo, but, um, yeah, we had always had somebody to, to run with. Yeah. And is the structure of those weeks different to the standard Aussie marathon training structure that was sort of, I guess, Deeks and, and Monas put together all those years ago, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, easy, and... Sessions Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and long run Sunday. Is it a bit different than that over there? Or Now, for Chicago, that was the exact build-up. Yeah. yeah. So it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions, and then a, a long run on the Sunday. So that we, we went the, the old-school approach. Yeah, okay. And putting some marathon pace effort in the long run or towards the end of the long run? No, we didn't. We did not do that in Chicago. And, um, yeah, I would, I'd do it now. Yeah, uh, uh, that's what that's one thing we didn't do that you, I would definitely want to do from now on. Mm, mm. 
Okay. Well, that gets rid of my next question. Moving on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your, what's your um, usual nutrition strategies, um, you know, lead, leading leading into, into the race? Um, so my nutrition is, is real bad. So before Chicago, I had deep dish pizza the night before. Mm. Uh, if, anyone's, if anyone's had deep dish pizza before, they know, it's not a small quantity of cheese in that. Sure. So I I eat anything and whatever I can find. I have n- mm. no rules, okay. no rules at all. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. And what about the morning of? Uh, morning of, once again, changes. It's whatever grocery shop or convenience shop's nearby. Um, it, it's normally... It's normally some sort of bready type thing. Like Chicago was like a bagel with peanut butter, mm. um, something something down that sort of line. Melbourne was Melbourne was a good breakfast. Um, I I couldn't find um, bread or bagels the night before, so I did half a packet of Lemington fingers. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it doesn't look like you're, you're superstitious, <laughs> yeah. and you have to ex- eat the exact same thing every time. It's yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll no. come in the years to come. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably a very, very weak, weak point of me. I yeah. need to actually, I need someone to probably help me on that aspect and actually guide mm. me because I just, yeah, it's not my background. I just do whatever. Yeah. What about what about during the race? Are you a certain product you're using? You got so many, you know, how do you go with your nutrition there? Do you drink so much per hour? Do you, you have your own special needs? Um. So. With the marathon, like Chicago, I wasn't an elite runner, so I had no special bottles. So I just drank what was on course. Yep. Um, so that was just like Gatorade and water. Um, I carried five gels in my hands. I had four in my hands and one in a pocket. Mm. Um, so I carried them. I used the Morton gels for Chicago. They just, you know, they were all the hype. They did real great marketing. I wouldn't, I don't know, they go down well, I yep. guess you could say. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just drank what was on. I had no rules of how much I was taking. I literally see a drink station about five k, six k mark. Put a gel down, grab the water, grab Gatorade, wet my mouth, and that that was it. Um, I kind of went for simple is better um, sure. most of the time. And um, but yeah, then I did. I raced Lake B while I'm out. Well, I didn't race. Oh, I raced about fifteen k. Then it was a shocker. But B B I kind of. This is my nutrition, me. I just don't take it serious. So, Bwell was probably the big eye-opening moment where um, we ran through six k, and uh, I remember Julian Spence kind of saying, or about swapping positions so we could like work out getting our bottles easy. And I was like, I don't want to get a bottle. It's only six k in, and I didn't have a drink or a gel or anything until about twelve and a half k's or eleven k's into Bwell. Mm. And I mean, there's a thousand things, that, but yeah, that was just. I honestly thought I could run a marathon at that stage on probably two gels and a little bit of water um, leading into BWA, but I learnt the hard way. Okay, yep, for sure. Mate, um, let's step away from, from the marathon running for a while. Um, now, I want to talk about your little trail escapades over there in New Zealand in February this year, uh, <laughs> where you not only competed in the Tarawera 102k ultramarathon, but you won the bloody thing. <laughs> and uh, in the process, been a couple of world's best trial runners. That is Cody Reid from the US and um, good old Harry Jones from the UK. So, um, first of all, tell us about your decision that uh, came about wanting to run a 100k trial race and how that day unfolded. 
um, I was training, I was in America and one of the guys we were training with was telling me a story um, of doing the Leadville 100 and he was just pacing another fella in the Leadville 100 and he was telling me all these story and stories and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, and then the fella that I was staying with, he's a Kiwi and I kind of just there and then I was sitting in my bed. I was like, you know what, I'm just, I entered it. I was like, I felt fit. I felt invincible whilst I was, you know, not working and training and I entered it just as an everyday person um, about a month out from Chicago, so in the September, and I always said in the back of my head, you know, I, I probably won't do it, but I just entered it because I thought it'd sell out and things like that, and I didn't, I was like, I didn't never really train because I was like, I did Chicago, and then after Chicago, I was tired, so I rested for about three to four weeks, and I was kind of, you know, settling into full-time work and all that sort of business, and um. I was like, oh, I just won't do tarot. I think it's, it was the end of November, and I was like, oh, I should probably send an email, or that I'm not that I'm going to pull out, or just I just won't turn up type thing. Um, and then David Byrne had let it slip to the organisers that there was a two sixteen guy ran two sixteen at Chicago has entered your race as an everyday person, um, and I got this random email probably mid December saying, oh, we would actually like you to join. Um, and would like to put you on the elite page of our website um, and things like that. And it was at that moment where I was like, oh, man, do I have to last-minute commitment here or do I just say no? And uh, unfortunately, I'm a yes man. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't say no. And I'm like, yeah, sure, put me on the page. And next minute, I was like, oh, I've got about six or seven weeks to train for this bloody thing. Mm. Mm. So tell me about it, mate. Like, let's... <laughs> The training. No, no, tell, tell me about man. the day. I mean, like, you know, you're oh, talking about day. just, you know, just down a great marathon in Chicago. You were sort of, I'm not and whether you should do it. And you've, the organisers promoted you. You had to go over there and perform. What happened? Yeah. Um, well, I guess the lucky thing for me was no one expected me to perform. Every single person was like, oh, you know, yeah, is it, uh, yeah, I was, I've got a decent marathon time, but really it's not, it's not world class it's not even international like it's it's really not that good of a time in, in a way um and that everyone was saying oh you know he's 216 but they're kind of like he no one expected me to be able to run more than maybe 50 60 kilometers at the most i think most people kind of thinking you know he'll be walking by 60 or he'll pull out that sort of mentality and he, you know he just won't be able to do it and when I was 18, 19, back to those cycling days we spoke about earlier, I, there was a gentleman around here and he was a great cyclist, but I would go out for 220, 240, sometimes, you know, 280 kilometer rides, would ride for eight to 10 hours. And the amount of times I had what you call hunger flat or bonked because I hadn't eaten enough food and things like that was, I'd probably done that 20, 30 times cycling from 18 to 20. And going to Tarawira, my body I reckon remembered those cycling events and I got to, you know, 45 Ks, I was fine. And then the trail got technical um, and things like that. But I was able to just kind of eat my nutrition. I think just kind of fight through it. Uh, but yeah, I think the cycling days helped there. Uh, but the actual race, 45 Ks, the first feed station, I think 45 K that, that I was comfortable. I was really comfortable in that, um, that zone there cody reed took off really early in the single track about 4k in i think just to prove a point to myself and ash watson that you know 
these where trail guys you're a road guy you can't run technical terrain because he put 30 seconds into us in this single technical terrain at the start um and then i caught back up to him about 10 k's in and we just slowly caught back up and then we're about 25 k's in and i thought oh you know i'll just go to the front and i ran with cody to that 45 and then he got away from me in the technical stuff from 45 to about 70 he was gapping me i believe or 60 um but i got to a point at about 65 k's in and i was just done i was just I was over it. I was walking. I was walking up this hill. I was just like, you know, this sucks. I was just waiting for the next person to overtake me. Um, and I was just like, any moment now, people are going to come past me. I, I was just in road shoes. I was in like the – and just like racing flats, and I just couldn't run the downhills. The, the routes were annoying me. The trail was annoying. Everything just was went to a real kind of just suck, to be honest. Um, mm. And I was like, what am I – and I was just thinking, what am I doing? Like – I'm, this is just a stupid idea, but I, I wasn't that I was going to ever stop. I was always going to finish, no matter what. It didn't matter if I finished first or last. I was always going to finish. That's just how I was brought up. And um, I was about 70-odd Ks in, and, so, and I'd been walking. I swear I'd been walking for a while, and someone said to me, you're four minutes behind, and the guy looks horrible up in front. And I thought to myself, I've been walking and just been, like, thinking, oh, this, I'm, I've given up here, and I'm only four minutes behind so I was like, oh, I'll just jog a bit and see what happens. And I jogged it to the next aid station, I think 78 k's in. And they said, oh, you're three minutes behind. I thought, really? I only jogged about eight k's and I just brought back a minute. And then I left that and I thought, oh, you know, I'll just keep, well, let's just run and see what happens here. And I ran a bit more and the organisers came up to me at one point and they, and they just said, mate, you're a minute 40 behind, you're closing fast. And I was thinking, wow, this is... Who would have thought here? And by 85Ks, I came into a blue lake, the aid station there, and there Cody was standing there. And at that stage, I was thinking, oh, right, I, I come, come in the aid station after him. And I just pretty well smashed a red ball and just went. I was out of there in about 10 seconds. And my goal was I've come in after him. If I leave before him, maybe that's – obviously, he's having a bad – in a bad way right now if I've closed in on him. And um, that last kind of – whatever it is, 12Ks or – 15 k's i actually felt pretty good and i was back running decent again Mm. and yeah that's pretty much the whole race mate yeah i mean it's i guess it's a bit like western states where you know guys like you who can move pretty well on on the roads and the flat trails can can do well and and maybe uh maybe that helped you out that it's not the most technical uh, ultra trail in in the world and like i said cody got away from you in the technical section but that you were able to pull him in when it was runnable but um yeah, no, that's 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 a good effort, mate. So what you got to head back now and and defend yeah. the title, or, or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's the magic question right now. I mean, isn't uh, that the rule? Once you win win a title, you know, it's out of respect. You got to go back and defend it, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and then they have contacted me, and I uh, currently I I have said yes. I haven't started training for it. Uh, yeah, I morally I feel like I have to go back, and I feel like I've got a lot more to give like i mm. yeah i think i got to be honest i feel like i got lucky i got really lucky it was a hot day everyone else was just falling apart around me i, I it was yeah i got lucky so yeah, do i really want to run 100 100 k's again no yeah, i sure. don't but yeah i probably yeah. will well we're moving on to the next thing but if you had a ran to 11 30 in melbourne then maybe you would uh, have a spot um for the olympics and you wouldn't have to worry to going back but 
let's talk about you run at 219 so it's still still a good effort and finished third overall um obviously your training um is still going pretty well since you moved up there and coughs harbour it's going pretty good um how, was your training any different leading in, into melbourne what was the plan what were you hoping to do down there and how how was your training leading into melbourne compared to chicago um yeah so training was a complete polar opposite uh, I was working full time and doing split shifts as well. So, you know, I might work seven till about one or two in the day, and then I'd go back to work about four thirty-five and work till about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. So, I had a choice where you do your session really early in the morning, um, which then allows you to double run, or I do my session in my split, so in the middle of the day, and then I didn't really double run. So, um, uh, Melbourne training was wasn't wasn't great. I think on average I was probably around 120 to 130 k's a week simply because I was just, you know, I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. So I was doing my sessions midday, 2 o'clock, and then by the time 9 o'clock, 8.30 rolled around, I just didn't feel like I was worth going out for that extra 8, 10 k's. So, the, yeah, the big difference there from Melbourne to previous was um, volume was right down, but the sessions still got done. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um What's the future plans for marathon running then from, from today onwards? Um, Let's yeah, talk about like, next year. Next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky one. I I think Melbourne's probably as good as I can get whilst I train solo up here in Coffs Harbour. Um, I honestly don't think I I think if I keep doing what I'm doing regarding my work regarding my training, I think I'm only going to be a I'm always going to be talking about Chicago back in 2018 mm. as my PB. So I think next year I'm currently talking with my partner and we're discussing relocating maybe to London, Sydney, somewhere like that, um, where we can, I can get back into a group situation and see if that that helps. I always, I'm not somebody that can just train full time. I, I need to work. I need an outlet. So. Um, yeah, well, I'll make a move next year. I haven't confirmed it yet, but most likely London or Sydney. Okay. Um, yeah. And what's what's the magic number that Reese has got in his head that he'd love to love to do in a marathon? <laughs> um, oh, is there a number, yeah. or just to keep getting faster, or is there a number you think you know? If that was if that was my final number, and that was on the PB list, I'd be extremely extremely excited. Um, uh, you know, if I went, if I went under two twelve, you wouldn't see me run another marathon. I'd be yeah. done. You'd you'd see me you'd see me do an Ironman. I literally wouldn't <laughs> run another one. <laughs> it'd be it'd be all. I, I don't think it'll ever happen. Mm. Yep. <laughs> um, Sub two fifteen's the next next plan. Then is it or? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so next year, going back to those sort of plans, yeah. Yep. Goal is I'll, I'll try and take some time off work potentially and try and run a fast and get into a training camp environment. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll turn up and so I guess you you do it incrementally, right? So yeah, sub mm. two fifteen mm. would be nice. I, I, to be honest, I probably need to get back down to two seventeen first before I think about two fifteen. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, hopefully next year I'm back around that two sixteen, two fifteen mark. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I always like to give the listeners something else to take away from the interviews, um, besides uh, all the great insights I get from the guests. So, um, if we start with combining your profession as a physiotherapist and elite runner, 
what are some of the routines that uh, that you feel that us runners need to implement sort of within our training schedule to help sort of aid recovery and minimise risk of overuse injuries and fatigue? Yeah, so I guess through what I see around around here, especially with a lot of runners, is um, especially injury-wise, you look at a lot of runners and they, they get injured after they've had a break and a lot of people like to completely rest. And everyone has a go at, say, you know, I'm high volume or Dick Telford's athletes are high volume, but a lot of evidence out there, if you can combine some sort of strength training twice to three times a week and just maintain a nice progressive load and you never completely rest. So resting where you just, you know, I'm going to take two or three weeks off um, running altogether and then you're going to get back into it. It's always that first month or that two weeks where your body's starting to adapt to that load again. Mm. That's when injuries always happen and niggles always happen. Mm. Um, and you see it especially around around here and um, – a lot of the locals around here, they just they get a little niggle and they just stop running. They think I'm just going to completely rest. And all they're doing is they've just they've done two weeks of good training. They get a niggle. They have two more weeks of rest, and then they try to go again. And they have this vicious cycle of rest, niggle, rest, niggle, and they never really get going. And um, if if they just kind of deloaded and did less volume or change their intensity, they're throughout that kind of period where they've got a little niggle, the niggle will most likely, if it's soft tissue, it's going to settle anyway. And before you know it, you put one, two, three months consistency together and you're running a lot faster by simply not rest, like having too much rest in a way. Sure, yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of research come out. Obviously, uh, you would, you'd be all over it, but uh, for us runners to learn about about how we, you know, how we're told to treat, you know, call it tendinopathy and uh, it was about do you rest or do you load it and, and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, you can back up this, but they're saying, yeah, you don't necessarily rest rest the tendons. It's just about, uh, like you said, deload and, um, and and keep some sort of um, some sort of movement and load load into it um, just to keep that sort of, you know, that, that adaption, to, you know, so allow it to sort of, um, to sort of, uh, you know, stop being so cranky but but not give a complete rest where it sort of i guess you know loses that conditioning again yeah that's exactly right um you know they always used to explain to us it's like as if you've got a glass and if that glass was capacity if you pour a cup of milk and you know you know you just don't stop it's just going to overflow and that's what they say with like a tendon pretend it's like a glass and that's your capacity Mm. and if you rest if you rest you have a smaller glass so if, you, if you're constantly doing strength work and just volume, that's not doing too much, so you're not pouring too much milk so it goes over the rim, but you're just doing a little bit at a time, your glass is going to get bigger. So then your load, so your long, hard runs, your volume, all of that, you can handle a lot more by doing more if in within reason because you've got a bigger glass of capacity. So it's, it's all this kind of ratio of how much do you load it mm. and, or, and to how much your body can handle right now. Um, and your goal is always to you want to increase your capacity so your load can keep increasing. So if you just increase your load without actually increasing kind of your, you know, years of running or, or your capacity, then you end up injured and with tendons inflamed. And the one thing that gives me a pet peeve is, you know, tendons, it's all right to rest them for three days when they're or to six days when they're in the reactive phase. But people that spend months off them because they're sore. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Sure. All right. Well, moving on to strength, if you could pick three strength or conditioning ex- exercises um, for runners that should be doing in the gym, um, let's just call it all year round, um, 
what would they be? So that could be um, like just using body weight, resistance, therabands, weights, plyometrics, anything that you think that will sort of build that integrity and sort of robustness within the body. Just pick, pick yeah. three, the, three of your best ones, Rose. Three of my best ones. Uh, number one, calf raises. Yep. You, you, need strong, you need strong calves. Um, that's going to help both, you know, performance and preventing Achilles issues or many other issues. So calf raises off a step. Um, so you're doing it, dropping your heel as low as you can up onto your toes. So you're going through your full ankle range. Mm. Um, I feel like hamstrings are a kind of no one does talks about them so much, but then when they run a marathon or a race that is a bit faster than normal, they feel like their hamstrings cramp. So um, I actually get a lot of people that I, I run a class around here and a lot of people I know, I do a lot of hamstring work on them now. Mm. Um, so that that's we kind of do ones where it's like a – a single leg shoulder bridge off a off a bench um, or a single leg deadlift, but yeah, a lot of hamstring strength. Um, and then the last one is kind of doing like plyometric type stuff. So I actually add in a bit of like high knee work and jump squats um, just to kind of get the quads, hamstrings. It kind of gets all muscle groups. Um, so yeah, I would actually add in a plyo exercise. Um, as really important, something like your, your jump squats would probably be a good one. Yep, yep. And in your training, are you big on the hills? Do you love doing hills, hill sprints, hill efforts? Um, I don't mind. I, I need to do them more. Um, sure. Yeah, but yeah, at, at least once a week uh, yep. doing doing some sort of hills, yeah, because that's, you know, with the hill, the glute strength and kind of get that hip, hip flexors happening. Hills are big, yeah, really important. Yeah, for sure. All right, mate, the last one. Um, what do you feel is the biggest mistake that you see runners make when, when training, let's say, for a marathon? What's something that they get wrong that you see a lot? Um, oh, you know what? Mm. You know what? I don't judge anyone on how they build up to a marathon. Mm. Everyone, mm. Um, everyone's different. It actually annoys me when people say, oh, he's not going to have a good race because he trained like this or trained like that. Mm. Um uh, well, okay, let me, let me I, reword I, that. How about, how about yeah, what, what's one thing that you think people definitely need to, to have in their Monday to Sunday schedule if they want to run a good marathon, such as you think, uh, you know, your long, your long run's the most important one, um, you know, some threshold running, some hill efforts, something that, that is definitely a key element. Um, I, I reckon like your, lo- your longer tempo type stuff, which I didn't do before Chicago, so I reckon... You know, even if it's a long run, it might only be um, 30 to 35 kilometres, but within that there might be 10K at the end that's a pickup. Um, or even throughout you might, I think, you do kind of some minute efforts or things like that. So I think doing a long run um, with some sort of tempo or some sort of effort within the long run, anywhere from 30 to 35K or, you know, that two to two and a half hour mark, I think that's the one thing that from now on I'll always make sure is in my um program and i think everyone should because it's i don't know running long and running slow i'm not sure how helpful that is i'm not sure how much the evidence shows it's helpful either yeah yep no definitely i mean there's certainly that the need for those easy recovery runs but yeah certainly not running a lot of your volume at, at, at a slower pace especially when it's slower than marathon pace so yeah for sure yeah. Mate, some great tips there. Thank you very much. Um, thank you so much for giving us your time tonight, being a guest on the Running Guide podcast. Um, all the best with your future races. I'm going to put down some social links in the show details below for the listeners to follow along for the rest of your running journey. 
And uh, thanks so much, Reese, for giving me your time on a, on a Wednesday evening. Awesome. Cheers, mate. It was a good chat. Thanks, Reese. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Run Guy podcast again, guys. If you haven't already, please follow along as the higher the follow account, the more chance the show will show up uh, when other runners are searching for content to listen to to help pass the time on their Sunday long runs. Uh, follow the links in the show description below to join in the conversation on my social handles and uh, become a member of the Running Guy podcast driver club, uh, as well as a link over to the Running Guy coaching website. Uh, my next two guests will be uh, one of the country's uh, leading sports psychologists working with numerous Olympic and national teams. And the other guest, um, if you follow trail running, you will certainly be uh, very familiar with this guy. He's one of the big dogs of the world trail scene. So really excited to chat to those guys. That's it for now. Stay happy, stay healthy. Results will take care of themselves. See ya.